All right, welcome. I'm excited. I have Brianna McCorkle here. She goes by Brie. Um, and Brie, I'm just going to hand it over to you. But before we get started, I do have a quick question for you. Can totally. you just fill us in on what your morning routine looks like? Ah, yes. So um, I'm a mom of three littles. I have a six, six-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a 21-month-old, I think. So you know, some mornings I'm pretty go with the flow. Um, you know, my son has been waking up the youngest anytime between five and six. So if that happens, I'm pretty much up with him and just kind of starting our day as a family, you know, doing all the things that we need to do. But when I'm able to um, have that space, I do something called a sacred morning or a sacred start, which is a half an hour to myself in the quiet in my bed. And it's really just the space of stillness where I can do whatever is kind of calling to me in the moment. I usually just ask myself, you know, what do I need and how am I feeling today? Um, so during that sacred start, that window, it might look like journaling. It might look like sitting, you know, just with like a, my cup of water in my hands and just doing some breathing. Um, it might look like doing a grounding meditation. It might look like um, reading a few pages from my book or, you know, stretching, moving my body in some way. But I find that the mornings that I do my sacred start, sometimes I pull cards like Oracle cards, um, or read, you know, that my, I have an energetic almanac that I love to consult. So on the mornings that I take that time and space for myself, even if it's 15 minutes, it changes the entire trajectory of my day, the energy of my day. I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot more grounded. I'm a lot more present because I've started my, you know, started the day off in that beautiful energetic space of just taking care of myself and getting quiet. Um, before picking up my phone, before being with my kids. And it's, it's definitely a game changer. So the mornings that I have my sacred start are my favorite. I love it. I love how you call it your sacred start. That's like, it just like sounds so beautiful. Um, and I sort of have a, a very similar morning routine as well. Just, you know, just kind of like collecting myself. Some days it's 45 minutes, other days it's 10 minutes. Um, do you ever find if you don't get it done in the morning, will you try to carve out time later in the day or even in the evening to sort of do that like sacred time still? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, giving ourselves permissions to be flexible with it and not having it have to look a certain way. I find, you know, a lot of my clients and women that I work with um, in my membership, like there's this, this like straight jacket of perfectionism that we can put ourselves into. And it's like, well, you know, it has to look a certain way, my morning routine, and I have to do this. And if I don't, I'm a failure. And if it doesn't happen at this time, then I've blown it. And it's like, no, you know, can we just give ourselves a break and like be gentle with ourselves and just, you know, that's why I love having the sacred start, having it be flexible. Like you said, with whether it's the amount of time or what you do, it's really about tuning in and asking yourself what would feel good, you know, and what do you need in that moment? Because we're fluid beings. We're always changing depending on, you know, our cycle or the moon or just what's going on energetically or in our home. So I think for me, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it allows me to give myself grace being like, all right, no big deal. You know, like sometimes I'm a little grumpy about it, <laughs> <if> the baby's <laughs> up, especially early, yeah. but then I can remember, you know, I can 
I can carve this out another time of my day, maybe during nap or maybe at the start of my work day, you know, if I have, when I have childcare um, and I, and then I dive in then. So it's like, you don't have to throw away the baby with the bathwater for lack of a better phrase. Um, you can still find little bits of time, you know, throughout the day to be able to get into stillness and to take care of yourself. Yeah, totally. I used to be so hung up on like having the perfect morning routine and it had to go a certain way. It had to be a certain length. And if it didn't happen, um, you know, I, I had the belief that I couldn't do it any other time of the day because there wasn't enough time when mm -hmm. in reality, it's like, actually you can sneak these, these like moments in whenever you need to. And, and now I actually find I do a lot of sort of work, um, in the evening, you know, in my bedroom, just sort of as a little evening routine and sort of creating that, that sacred space for myself before bed too. So absolutely, yes, all, all beautiful. Um, so Brie, will you just sort of give us a little, like in a nutshell, who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Brie McCorkle. Like I said, I'm a mom. I also, um, I live, we live up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I'm from Massachusetts my whole life, but now we live a little bit further north in this old 200 year old farmhouse that we moved into right before we had our third, um, right before the pandemic. So uh, <laughs> we kind of moved from like a more bustly city. So it's been quite the journey, um, you know, especially as a mom and as an entrepreneur, um, the isolation the last couple of years has been really intense. So um, with a newborn, and one who hated the car and one who's been kind of our most ornery kiddo, um, especially the new place far away in the middle of nowhere. So it's been, it's been quite fascinating, um, which I can talk a little bit more about later, but I think my work as an entrepreneur has really helped me to stay connected. So I'm a spiritual teacher, um, an energy healer, an intuitive mentor, um, for women, but I work primarily with mothers. And my kind of purpose is helping mothers who are kind of have started on the path of their own kind of awakening, um, realizing that, you know, wait a minute, this way that I've been living and these things that I've believed, been believing and kind of these patterns and old stories and, and beliefs that have been kind of running my life, you know, kind of waking up to like, wait a minute, like I'm more, and I think there is more, and there's something else out there. You know, I can feel it. And, but I don't know what, why am I not happy? I have the partner, I have the marriage, I have the baby, right. I have X, Y, and Z, and I'm supposed to be happy. And yet there's this feeling of like, something's missing. Mm. But then often as mothers and women we're made to feel guilty you know, we should be grateful. We should be grateful. So I really am kind of the assistant, the wing woman, the spiritual wing woman and an intuitive kind of guide who my gift is seeing women for who they truly are. I like to call it their divine blueprint. And so through different, um, I have one-on-one -on -one mentorship that's, you know, longer term. I do individual healing sessions, individual intuitive mentoring sessions that are all virtual, all distance. Um, Reiki retreats, workshops, things like that. My motherhood membership is really about helping women to remember who they truly are, you know, mm -hmm. as a divine being, their, their true essence, their vitality, their gifts, their purpose, um, and working to kind of 
and my background's in psychology and therapy as well and counseling. So, but it's more a blend of intuitive and energetic work, you know, helping them to shed some of those old layers of like really helping them to remember who they are before the world's told them who to be is kind of a way to uh, succinct, to succinct that. So it's hard to, and I work with a lot of women who are sober, who are getting sober or just in whatever way after becoming a mother are just feeling like there's something missing and they're starting to remember, but they don't know, you know, it's like they can taste the something bigger and they can, but they don't know how to get there. They don't know what steps to take to get into alignment, to discover and remember who they are. And I'm kind of like their, their wing woman or their guide, so to speak. Oh my gosh. I love this. I have like full body chills because it's like, oh, it's just like so beautiful, the work that you're doing. And I can relate to it because I remember having all of those same feelings several years ago. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, you like seriously have put me into full body chills. Um, So how did you get here? Like, how did you start doing this work? What is sort of your story that led you to this point in your life? Hmm. Well, to sum it up, to sum it up you know, I'm almost 39. <laughs> and honestly, this, is, this is always a question that I get. I'm like, I, I need to stay grounded because I'm like, there's so many things to talk about, but people, you know, give me the, the summary. Um, so I was born actually in Salem, Mass, and as an only child and was born, you know, an intuitive little girl. Um, I think we all come in knowing who we are and being really in touch with, you know, our, our truth. And that's why as children, you know, we're just engaged in play. And if you think back to, you know, sometimes helping women rediscover who they are and what they love is, is we start to think back to our childhood and the things that we really enjoyed, right. The things that brought us joy, the made us, the things that made us feel alive. So I was very in touch with who I was and, and my intuitive gifts and in tune with nature and talking with animals and things like that. But I think, you know, our culture that we live in and sometimes our families and the outer world kind of tells us like, well, that's weird. That's not right. Like, don't talk about that. That's not acceptable. Right. And we start Mm -hmm. to not feel safe to be who we are or to be in our feelings. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home, um, with parents that loved me, but there was, there was a lot of dysfunction. And as an only child, I took it all on. I was kind of like the family therapist and, the perfect kid who got straight A's and did all the things and, you know, wanted to, um, anyone who's familiar with, you know, dysfunction, family dysfunction, the only or the oldest typically takes on that role of, you know, being the fixer and, and, and being kind of the distraction to make everyone think everything's okay. So it's interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of my role for like the first 18 years and I was really good at it and I just held it all together and no one ever knew that there was a lot of stuff falling apart and going on behind the scenes. And then I'm, I'm sober as well. Um, I'm going to be three years sober this summer. So, um, from alcohol. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, college was when I started to really come apart internally, like all the stuff that I had been holding on to for so long and, you know, some trauma and, just different things that, you know, kids aren't really supposed to take care of or hold or witness. It all started to come up and rise to the surface, which it always will, you know, the truth Mm -hmm. kind of rises. So college in my twenties, you know, despite meeting my husband, despite, you know, looking successful on the outside, going to graduate school, becoming a psychologist, you know, everyone thought I had my SHIT together. Um, I was still fully functioning, but 
inside. I was a total mess, just in so much pain. And I was in and out of, you know, trying to see therapists and trying to figure out what's going on, but I really didn't want to do the work. And I, and I really didn't know. I just wanted to, you know, I think we, whether it's alcohol, wine, shopping, um, social media, scrolling. Yeah. I think really we're just trying to not feel pain. We're not, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We just are doing it to feel better or to numb or to escape or to avoid, um, you know, cause we humans don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to sit in our pain, you know? Um, so we do whatever we can to kind of run away from it or hide it or pretend it's not there. So that's kind of what my twenties looked like a lot, um, internally. And did you know what you were trying to like numb or hide? I mean, I, th- I think there's always an aspect of us, like our true self, you know, mm-hmm. that truly knows. Um, it, whenever we're in pain and in my work, what I've learned, it's really our inner child. And I do a lot of work on, with this and in my inner child healing with my, in my sessions, um, because I've done a lot of it on myself now. So it's really just our little girl who's in pain, mm-hmm. who's afraid, you know, who doesn't feel loved because she learned it wasn't safe to be who she was or to feel how she felt. So she knew. And there was that aspect, that higher aspect of me that knew. Um, but at the same time, I I didn't want to do the work. I wasn't ready to face it. Mm -hmm. And I liked, you know, when you have those addiction pathways, um, that run in the family, it's really difficult. And it's just, it becomes, you know, and we live in a culture that, you know, drinking is everywhere. It's normal. Mm -hmm. It's encouraged. You know, when I first started telling people I wasn't drinking anymore, they looked at me like I had two heads. Like, what do you mean? How are you going to have fun? And especially with the pandemic, I felt, I felt it so much more, this pressure to drink, to survive the pandemic and drink to get through homeschooling kids and the the isolation like that's 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 been it's been so normalized now to just crack open a bottle of wine because what else is there to do and homeschool you know your kids with your coffee cup but really there's wine in it and it's just like funny memes everywhere and jokes being made but it's like sure it might be funny but is it actually funny because that is unfortunately the reality yeah it's you know, it's really unfortunate because, you know, I truly believe that moms don't need wine. I think moms need support mm-hmm. and moms need a community, a village, a place, you know, I think we've been set up to fail, honestly, like even before this pandemic, when we've been carrying this enormous mother load of weight and expected to do everything and women are leaving, you know, having to leave their jobs, like in you know, high amounts and the amount of pressure, like we are not meant to mother and do life alone. Like we're not supported the way that we need to, or should be, um, as mothers period. And I think, you know, this, our culture's obsession with wine and it's glamorous and drinking and the mommy wine culture and everyone's doing it. It's, it's, I mean, I don't find the memes funny. I used to, I used to be that mom that had like a shirt that said Rose all day, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is like, I'm not here to shame moms. Like I was that mom. Yeah. But when you start to, I mean, I couldn't, I remember the first summer I got sober three years ago, I could not believe the amount of like advertising and marketing and just how much it was in our, in my face. You know, you just don't realize it because you're a part of it. So it's normal. Yeah. Um, 
Like we, we truly don't need wine. And, and I'm not going to lie. There's been times, you know, homeschooling and being home in this pandemic for what close to a year now yeah. that that part of me has been like, Oh my God, I will do anything to escape. I wish that I could have a huge glass of red wine right now and just like soften the edges and just like go into that space. But it's like, it doesn't really help. It doesn't change anything. Like it, it's not a true solution. Mm-hmm. you know and then I would end up feeling groggy and not good and like ugh, like there's just so many yucky aspects to it you know and, and it's like it becomes this crutch yeah um and for me I my you know it was always like I if I had one one was never enough one was too many and one was never enough that was like and that's right. like a Kenny Chesney song <laughs> Grace <laughs> Potter um but that was kind of like my thing and so I think not having to have that not being able to have that, choosing not to have that. And, you know, is, was, oh my gosh, like I was able to discover my true resilience and how strong I am. And like, you know, that, that, that warrior feeling you get when you birth your baby and you, you become a mom, you're just like, oh my God, I can do anything. Like sobriety is that like, like times 10. Um, and I like Glennon Doyle says, you know, who I adore, She's like if, if people, if we were just willing to sit with our discomfort instead of and sit in our own pain, like mm-hmm. instead of running from it or trying to numb it, you know, it's like it moves through so much faster and so much more clean, and then it's gone. It's like when you just know and trust that you're strong enough to just be in your discomfort and in the stress and in the place where you just want to run and you just sit and stay instead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my God. I love like this so much. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, I did it. And I'm okay. And now that's mm-hmm. gone. And the craving is gone. Like literally the next time you have a craving for a drink and you don't have to want to be sober or have a problem with alcohol, yeah. wait, just wait, like count to 60 or count to 120 seconds and just wait and like sip on a glass of water with lemon and see what happens. It moves so much faster than you thought that it would. Mm-hmm. Um, we're stronger than we truly give ourselves credit for. And, um, you know, through, I, I've led a lot of sober circles And I work with a lot of women who are getting sober or who are sober. And these women, they're not what you think of as typical alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have this idea of what that is. Like these are women who got caught in the mommy wine culture and we're just so overwhelmed with motherhood and how isolating it is and how much it changes your life and how much it alters your body and your hormones and your adrenals. And like, no one prepares us for that. No one really tells you about that aspect of motherhood. And so they did it. To, to bond with other women. They did it to soothe their nerves. They did it because they thought they were helping themselves. But when you listen to these stories of these women and like, I mean, you can't not cry because it, it, we think that it's helping us and it's, and it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, and just hearing their redemption and how they've like got, gotten into the light. And, you know, I even had a, a woman message me last night, like Brie, you know, you were the one that inspired me that I, you know, that it it was cool to be sober and that I didn't need alcohol. And I have my six month anniversary. And it's so funny. She's like, I was afraid of getting sober for so long. I just, I I was so afraid. And she's like, and now I can't believe like how much time I wasted being afraid because this is the most clarity, the most like alive, the most like courageous and rooted and grounded I've ever felt in my whole life. Like it is such a gift, you know? And I, and you hear that every time. Um, So if there's, and I was sober curious for years, like I knew that that I wasn't, I couldn't, 
you know, I couldn't stop. Like it just, it took me to a place that I wasn't proud of. Um, So I'm curious because you grew up in a home um, with alcohol. Your parents, you said both were drinkers. Just my dad. Oh, just your dad, sorry. When you, when you were growing up, did you, did you kind of have like the mindset of like, I will never do this. Um, and then something changed or did you start drinking at an early age or when was alcohol brought into your life? Yeah. I mean, I, I never had like either, um, I didn't see alcohol as bad, you know, it was like, alcohol, we, I mean, you know, at every family function, everyone was always drinking like parties. I was close with my family, my extended family. We were always together. Like everyone in my world drank, you know? So I just thought it was like a normal part of life. I thought that, you know, some people just can't handle it. And like, my dad has a problem, you know, but like I tied it in with other stuff. So I just kind of like compartmentalized it in that way, you know? And like, and you know, I partied in high school. Um, but like, I would have like a beer, you know what I mean? Like that was it. Like it didn't, I didn't, I was, I really didn't ever get drunk in high school. Like I, I, I hung out and socialized and partied a lot and had parties, you know, <laughs> my parents were away. Um, but I never got drunk. Like it just, it didn't awaken. Like my addiction pathways just didn't awaken fully until I started binge drinking in college. Mm. Um, so it really wasn't until then that like the SHIT hit the fan. Yeah. Um, and then did you did you just kind of get to like a rock bottom moment that you like how how does one decide I'm going to become sober? You know, it's it's really a personal decision. And like I said, it I had been as I was kind of starting on my spiritual journey, I was a couple years in after I had my first son. And I after you know, I was pregnant with my daughter and I stopped drinking and I just you know, I didn't drink during any of my pregnancies and I was craving it so bad. And I just started to realize like, wow, like this has become, uh, you know, the nightly glass of wine, a couple of glasses of wine, you know, bottles on the weekends with friends. Like I really got to see how much it had infiltrated my life and become such a part of my life. And like, not, I saw how, how hard it was, even though I was, you know, to not drink while I was pregnant. Like it was just like this huge wake up call about how deeply woven into my life it had become. Um, and that was like, oh man. And it just kind of like, as I got more and more like, you know, it, onto my kind of my path and waking up, I just was like, oh man, this has never served me. Like when you have an issue, there's that part of you that always knows that's always speaking to you. It's your intuition. It's what I help women now uncover and get in touch with so that they can be their own guru, you know, and, and be in touch with their deeper, their deeper wisdom it's always, she's always talking to you. It's just, if we silence her for a long time, she can become silent, but she never goes away. Mm -hmm. So it was always that part of me that knew, oh, this is not quite right. Um, And so I did, I had a, I I mean, I had multiple, you know, terrible moments, but I did a, um, a program with Laura McCowan and was a mentor for one of her programs. And she has you go through and write down all of your, and each, each year and each decade of your life, like all your, kind of rock bottoms and different things that, you know, your alcohol led you to do, whether it's just, you know, hangovers or not being able to get out of bed with your kids in the morning or, you know, intense shame, not knowing who you texted the night before or saying something stupid to your best friend or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a lot of those, but I I did have one rock bottom moment with my son where 
you know, we went away for a weekend with friends and it was, it was on, on odd. It was almost as if like some higher power or being or the universe was like, we need to show her like she needs to get it because I really drank, like just had a couple glasses of wine, a couple of beers, nothing that I wouldn't normally do. And I got so sick, mm. like so, so, so sick and ended up, we were in a hotel in Mystic, Connecticut. We went to the, you know, the, um, whatever it is, the aquarium there, met our friends from New York. And I was just so sick. And my son was taking a tub and I couldn't stop throwing up. And I just had this moment where I like floated above my body and just like saw him. I mean, it still makes me cry. Like looking at me, it was, he was three. And I just like, I like was him. And I just saw, like, I was just like me looking at my dad was him looking at me. Mm. And I was just like, dude, no, nope. Like this stops with me. Like I am not carrying this through another generation. Like, I don't care what hat, like what I have to do. I don't care how much this guts me. I don't care how much I have to change my life. Like this ends with me now. Mm. And it did. Mm -hmm. I haven't touched a drop of alcohol, not even a drop. Um, does your, does your partner, Rory, my husband. Yeah. He, so, you know, that's an interesting thing. Like we grew up, we met in college, sophomore year, we've been together ever since. And so, you know, we have all the same friends from home and from, he's from Jersey, but you know, they're like my family. We have all the same college friends and we partied like, you know, and continue to do so and, and very social and, um, our whole lives. And so, but he doesn't have that same addiction pathway like I did. Like he could stop drinking. Like he barely drinks now. Um, mm-hmm. It was Valentine's day, you know, the other day I'm like, dude, you, dude, you can have a beer. <laughs> I yeah. was like, yeah, all right, maybe I will. But he never, like, I would be the one when he came home from work, be like, let's have a glass of wine. I got a bottle of wine. He's like, okay. You know, so he, he could take it or leave it. Um, when we hang out with friends, he still likes to have some drinks, you know, um, but he's not, I've been able to, I'm in the space now where he can drink and it doesn't really bother me. I won't be intimate with him um, because of the taste. Like I just, it's still something that I'm kind of, you know, holding space for and working through, but yeah, he, in the beginning, I think I remember being like, you can't drink or like, I just was like, we can't have wine in the house. Like it was just too hard for me. Um, We really still don't keep wine in the house because why why would I it's just not a good idea and it's just not smart um so yeah he still he still drinks but barely and you know it's just it's an ongoing conversation it's an on like if I don't feel comfortable with it I'm gonna tell him like I really like if we're going on a date and I want it to be a special evening and I feel like him having a drink might affect me not in a great way I'll just be I'll just tell him you know it's still his choice to make um but it's not like black and white. It's very much like, what do I need? You know, what's the vibe? Like, how can I be supported? How can he support me? How can I support him? How can we be honest? You know, it's just kind of more of like an ongoing conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into, um, you know, motherhood. And I know you mentioned that you help a lot of women sort of start their or when they're in the beginning of phases of their own spiritual awakening, um, you know, what that process sort of looks like when you start helping them and and what the steps are that they take and and what their experience is going through that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a multifaceted, very complex process where again, it's a blend. It's, it's based on each unique mother because we're as unique as our fingerprints. So there's no like one size fits all. Um, and meeting her where she is in her journey. You know, most, like I said, are starting kind of their spiritual awakening and of coming to the realization that like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, who am I really? How do I actually want a mother? You know, what do I actually want? Um, and coming into kind of, you know, being, being her true authentic self and figuring out who the hell that is. Um, I think the first thing that's really important is that we, we show up real you know, and I, and I give her permission to sh really share like what she's feeling, you know, and what she doesn't like and what's killing her and what, you know, I think as women and especially as mothers, there's like this, this need to apologize or to be like, you know, I really love my kids and I really love my family, but you know, I'm, and I'm like, this is an invitation to stop apologizing for who we are and what we really need. Like, you don't have to do that with me. Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to tell me how much you love your kids. Like, I know that like, yeah. that's a given, you know, and, and women. And the reason that we do that is because we've been made to feel so guilty for, for not like showing up in what our society deems as a good mom. And why do you think that like motherhood is, is often what causes a lot of women to sort of crack open and, and have this awakening, like, what do you think it is about just that whole, like coming into motherhood that begins that journey for us? I mean, I think it's a lot of different things. Um, but I think when you birth, like when you were, you know, when you birth a baby or when you become a mother, it's like, you, it's like this initiation, you know, into this like real raw, powerful. I mean, you get to see aspects of yourself, whether it's you know, getting the process of getting pregnant or the process of carrying the baby or birthing the baby or raising and feeding. And like, I mean, you just really get to see what you're made of. Like it's this very honest, raw process of initiation mm -hmm. into like your true strength. That's like, you're a warrior mm -hmm. and you realize it like, holy shit, you know, and you get to see like, if not for the first time ever, like some of the differences between, you know, the man and the, the, the male and the female and just like the different gifts and the different essences and like how much power we, we hold in our womb, um, you know, and just creation. So, and I think, you know, with, with me for each of my pregnancies, each birth, I was just, I was brought to, I think we're all brought to this new version of ourselves, like this new depth and understanding of who we are and what we actually need and our desires, you know, and it's also, we're also brought to our knees. So like things become very clear. Like if we were ignoring our needs before having children, like having a kid, you can't ignore them anymore. Like you have to take care of yourself. Like you have to, you have to nourish yourself in some way or else you will be literally a depleted crumb. Mm -hmm. You are a plant and if you do not water it and take care of it and give it sun, like you will die. Yeah. It just brings like everything to the surface and like slaps you in the face basically. Yeah. It's like here, you know, here's the areas you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I've written a whole blog and multiple posts on how motherhood can be like a spiritual awakening because our kids are here as mirrors 
to show us the areas of ourselves that we have not looked at the areas that we have better buried away the pain, you know, the triggers, like the stuff that we've ignored mm-hmm. from our childhood or from, you know, that we've learned these patterns, like kids are here to be like, he, Hey mom, check this out. Look at this aspect of yourself. Like you have the opportunity to heal it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't heal things if we're not aware of them. Now, do you think we're not aware, you know, to be able to heal them and to, to sit with them, to sit in the discomfort and pain, you know, and, and to, and to then transmute that and kids show us all of our places that that are not healed. And so it's horrible and uncomfortable, but they're, it's, they're really good at it. So do you think though, for some women, they don't experience this though, like they don't experience this like spiritual awakening as they enter motherhood and they don't like, they don't experience that all those feelings coming to surface and what they need to work on. Like, why do some women have that growth journey begin and others don't? Mm. You know, I mean, I believe that each of us come in, you know, with a path with life lessons that we've pre-chosen or been predestined, you know, Mm -hmm. we have certain karma. Um, so could it be that that's just not, you know, what has been pre-chosen, what's kind of part of her path of growth for this lifetime, Mm. possibly. Um, I truly believe though, that all of us, you know, we are, whether or not you believe in the universe or something bigger or the divine or God or what, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The name doesn't matter, but we all have that essence within us and that's who we are truly, um, you know, inherently our, our true essence is, is of that light. And so I think motherhood is an initiation, is an invitation and an opportunity where that part does awaken. But I think some of us have been so brainwashed and by our culture, by the patriarchy, like we've, and we've stopped listening. We've, we listen to everyone else and in what we should do and how we should feel and how we should mother and how we should show up and what we should buy and what we should feed our kids and the breast milk and the blah, 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 blah. It's like, we've been so conditioned to listen and to ask the outside world what we should do and what it should look like instead of like truly knowing and tuning into our own insight and wisdom, our own intuition, our own inner knowing, like trusting that voice and trusting our own abilities and our own sacredness and our own power. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, you know, if I was a betting woman that that opportunity and invitation and spark does occur, it's just, are you going to choose to listen to it? Are you going to choose to follow something else? And it's not a right or wrong. You know, we've been so conditioned to look outside of ourselves for knowledge and for insight and wisdom Mm -hmm. and you know, and it's just, it's so beautiful though, the women who do choose to at least acknowledge that they can hear that little voice or they have that kind of gut instinct or, you know, that little, acknowledge that little like silver kind of opening, that little light that comes in um, and they start to explore it and they at least tell somebody else about it or they're, they're led to, you know, uh, someone on social media or, you know, me or this podcast, like mm-hmm. sometimes it's just that little, like, oh yeah, me too. 
like she's talking about kind of what I've experienced, you know, and like it's these little crumbs that if we're awake and we're kind of eyes open and we're really tuning it, you know, kind of conscious, we'll start to be led and more and more crumbs will start to show up to kind of lead us to where we're supposed to be. Some people choose to ignore it and dismiss it. You know, magic um, everywhere. Do you think the ones like, you know, individuals who maybe choose to ignore it, do you think that sometimes that's where an addictive pattern comes into play? Because it's like, oh, I just, this is getting uncomfortable. I want to numb it with whatever it is, whether it's alcohol or social media or sugar, um, you know, Netflix, like whatever. Do you think that sometimes when those addictive patterns come into play? Well, it's, it can be, um, for some of us, there's addictive pathways in the brain and addiction can also run in our lineage and be in our blood and in our Mm -hmm. DNA. Um, so like for me, that's the case. So getting sober, um, and healing those pathways and and healing that within my DNA is like, it's a harder go. (laughs) It can still be done. That's why I do so much deep energy work and I do past life regressions and healing and things, you know, karmically, um, to help not women that are, you know, in addiction, but just period women, mothers, um, some of it. And if that's not the case, then it's much easier to kind of shed and clear and to, you know, no longer reach out for those things. But a lot of it's just deep patterns, rituals, you know, habits, um, that can be very powerful. The ritual of drinking or scrolling or sugaring or reaching for that, but I think it's all a way that we try to fill ourselves and to make ourselves feel, feel whole mm-hmm. um, and to feel good and to avoid the discomfort, which is part of being a human. Like we, we don't want to be uncomfortable. So there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's normal human behavior. It's just that again, like Glennon Doyle says, you know, she knew, and I'm butchering this quote, but like you can tell the things that you're using to fill the hole are not the right things when you feel worse than before. Mm. Right. So like after you drink, does, do you yes. feel better? And you not the first couple of seconds when you have the first sip or whatever, maybe then, yeah. you know, it's the sugar, you know, no, no, you feel worse than you did before. It doesn't, we reached it. We try to fill ourselves with things, you know, the shopping, the high of a shopping yeah. trip, you know, it, it doesn't work. And so can it, can the isolation and the, the, the support that we don't get as mothers and like just the entire, all the physical, physical changes, the energetic changes, the hormonal changes, like you and I were talking about before, like, do mothers know that it takes a full year for the average mother to recover physically? Mm-hmm. Like her organs, her tissues, her muscles, her bones, her, you know, her, her adrenals, like her cells, her, all of that, like three years for one kid. Yeah. <laughs> and we live in a society that's like bounce back, get in your, this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what? And we're in a pandemic. Like this is the most intense, you know, and our mothers and grandmothers can tell us like, you know, my grandmother's like, I hiked to Maine in my bare feet, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, listen, no one, this isn't a competition here. Yeah. But like, this is challenging in a different way. Totally. It's challenging, you know? And so like the moms that I work with, they've had a much easier go in this pandemic. 
and, and knowing what to do. Like when, you know, when we, in the fall, especially like the women inside my membership and my clients, like we were just so grateful for each other and for this path that we're on and the work that we do together. Cause we weren't looking, we've realized this year, I think, especially as a, like a community in a country that like, we're those of us who are used to the outside world or having like some kind of guidance, tell us what to do. We realize like, wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no one really knows what's going on. Like no one can really give me solid advice on what to do. Mm-hmm. I've said it to myself too, all like this whole pandemic, like I am so grateful. I started doing some personal growth work a few years ago because I just don't know what kind of a space I would be in right now with everything that has happened. And, you know, especially with online learning with four kids and, um, you know, I'm a registered nurse, so I'm working in right in that, you know, pandemic kind of world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I, I don't know how, like, this has been a year of thrival for us and there's no way I could say that if I hadn't done all of this work on myself. So I'm just very, very grateful for that. And, you know, I'm sure the women in your community feel the same way. Well, it's like, what a gift to, to realize that we are the ones that have the answers for ourselves, that we are the ones that have the knowing about our family, you know, and what, instead of spending all this time you know, looking for people, looking to people for answers, like, should I homeschool or should I keep my kids home or should I do the virtual or what should we do? What's best? Like, should I get the vaccine? Should I not get the vaccine? Like, it's like, nobody knows, nobody knows, but you, Mm -hmm. you are the only one who knows what's right for you and your family. Like you have the inner guidance system. We have our emotions. We, you know, most of us are running around. Most of the population is running around just thinking that our minds are the ones that should run the show when it comes to how we live and making decisions. It's like, no, like the mind is good for math and like balancing the checkbook and like some aspects of logic, but like you have an inner knowing, you have an intuition, you have a physical body that shows you how you feel. You have your emotions, which are your own internal guidance system. Like you have all these other aspects of being that are meant to tune into, like they're meant to work together. Mm-hmm. And so many of us are just letting our minds run the show. And that's why, you know, some of the women where we start working together, it's like just getting them to tune in and to hear their intuition again and to stop that chatter, that hamster wheel and their frontal lobe of just like, you know, when you lay down and you can't turn it off, like that's a really good sign that you're living from the logical, your frontal lobe of your brain and not dropping into your body, not accessing your other incredibly powerful wisdom parts of yourself, you know? Yeah. That's like the, one of the, one of the challenging parts too, is just getting still enough to actually listen and, and start to listen to that intuition. Yeah. Um, So Brie, is there anything else that, you know, we didn't really cover during this chat that you're just like, kind of like just dying to sort of get out and just sort of a last Last little message. Hmm. Let me sit and tune in for a minute. Hmm. You know, I think it's, there's no like 
sometimes we get caught in this like box thinking of like, well, you know, I don't need to, I don't have a drinking problem. So I don't need to do this. Or, you know, I don't know if I've had a spiritual awakening or I don't seem to fit this description or fully align. It's like, it's not about being the same. It's not about putting ourselves in a box. It's about really just, you know, getting still tuning in and just asking like, you know, how am I feeling today? Like, how am I feeling in my body? How am I feeling in my heart? How am I feeling in my life? You know, looking at the different areas of my life right now, if you want to, if that feels good to you and just being really honest, just being really honest with with what's really good and what sucks and like where you're dying and where you need help and like where you'd love to call in support. And if you could, if I could wave a magic wand, what would you change? Even if it's just for fun, like even if you're just daydreaming and you have no intention of anything ever changing because you don't believe it could or you're afraid it really couldn't or, you know, whatever. Like, what would you, what would, might look different? You know, if, if no one told you that your dreams were too big or, you know, that it wasn't realistic, like what would you call in and what would you shift and what would feel really amazing? Or even just what, what do you need today? And I think just that first step of just like being really honest with ourselves is like so freeing and so healing and just like this immense weight off our shoulders. And if you have someone in your life, who's like a safe person, you know, that will just hold space for you mm-hmm. and just listen, or maybe it's even a journal, like, you know, something I do during my sacred start or at the end of the, of the, you know, before I go to bed, I leave my phone far, far away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not tempted to, to jump on there, but it's just like, it's called morning pages. And it's just like a, a stream of consciousness dump of like everything, three pages of just whatever's in my mind, whatever's pissing me off, whatever I'm holding that I don't want to carry. And just, you know, even just getting it onto the page, like you are worthy of feeling good in your life. You are worthy of, you know, ordinary magic and to feel good and to have, you know, and to experience things that support you. Like you're, you're worthy of being supported. Like you're not meant to do this alone. And just being honest and, and, and being in that space can be so freeing and, and so real. And, and when you're in that space, you'll start to attract other women who are doing the same thing and are doing the work and are being honest, mm-hmm. you know, and really sharing from that place of authenticity and vulnerability. Um, and you'll start to call them in and little by little, like, it's like following the little trail of breadcrumbs. Like it doesn't have to happen all at once. You don't even need to know what it looks like. It's like, just ask yourself what would feel good and what do you need and allow yourself to be really honest and just ask, you know, even just ask for it, write it down and call it in and just, you'll, you'll watch the miracles unfold. I promise. Mm. I love it. That's beautiful. Um, so Brie, where can people find you if they want to learn more, to get to know you better? Where can they, where can they find you? Sure. Um, on Instagram, I'm Brie.McCorkle. So it's B-R-I dot M-C-C-O-R-K-E-L-L. My site is BreeMcCorkle.com. I'm actually in the process of redoing it completely, but um, on there, as well as my Instagram, I have a link tree. People can sign up for a single energy healing distance session with me. They can sign up for um, an inner knowing session, which is like an intuitive mentoring, where again, we kind of 
you come with a question or just something that you love clarity and we tune in and call on your guides and do some of the intuitive work um, to help you gain clarity and, and release, you know, whatever's standing in your way. Um, I have a private mentorship, which I have one spot left. Um, it's a six month container for women who are really looking to remember who they truly are and start to call her in and to take action, inspired action on their daily life. And then I'm also training uh, Reiki master. So I have a Reiki one and a Reiki two virtual training coming up. So for anyone who's looking to, um, learn the healing art of Reiki energy healing, to be able to do it on themselves or their kiddos, or, you know, if they want to add an additional income stream. Um, I have a great group of women already for Reiki one and two, but we still have some more spots. So, um, would love to have anyone. I don't know when this will air, but, um, mm -hmm. Reiki one is, is March, I believe 11th and the Reiki two is in April. So just putting that out there. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. Um, Brie, thank you so much for this, um, just really deep and inspiring conversation. And I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Megan, so much. I, I, it was my honor and pleasure and, um, yeah, thank you for allowing me to connect with your people and, um, it was awesome. You're welcome. <laughs>